break. Long throw by Thompson. Diving catch at the 10. Solomon Green inside the 10. His longest reception of the year. He is on fire tonight. First down, lots of time. And wide open. Touchdown. Double dipping. Just some of the highlights from a crazy week 18 in the CFL. Week 19 is soon upon us. This is CFL Weekly on the TSN Radio Network. I am Matthew Cause, and that's the producer from First Up. You also know him from Gambling Hits on TSN and is a CFL fantasy guru. It is Aaron Kronick. How you doing, AK? Matthew, what an introduction. It's great to be here with you. CFL Weekly. Can't wait to get going. Absolutely. So let's get to it. Let's go look back a little bit at uh, at week 18 in terms of what were your takeaways. I think the Mike Riley injury is a big one only because you don't want to see the former MOP uh, with a broken wrist, but it really means nothing for the CFL because the BC Lions were eliminated after losing 19-6 to Edmonton. Yeah, I think what it means to the CFL is that every single starting quarterback this year from yeah. the beginning of the season suffered some kind of injury and missed time. Mike Riley was the only guy who had played all games to this point. And yeah. For him to go down, BC seemed to be turning around a corner and probably too little too late for them, but very unfortunate injury for Riley, who's already dealt with a ton of, adver- of adversity this year with his offensive line woes as a whole. The biggest game, though, uh, was Friday night. Calgary holding on to beat Saskatchewan 30-28. to And on one level, you look at this game and go, okay, Saskatchewan got better. Um, the last time they played, they got killed by the Stamps, 37-10 in Week 4. They had won like eight in a row or eight and one in their last nine. But once again, Calgary's defense, they did it late, and they made Cody Fajardo look pretty average, and that's kind of what the Stamps do. Man, Bo Levi Mitchell, for the most part this season, seven starts leading into the past week, has looked average this year. He's mm-hmm. had a touchdown-interception ratio of basically one-to-one. Yeah. But the last two weeks, Bo Levi Mitchell looks to be back. Over 400 passing yards against the Alouettes, almost 300 against Saskatchewan. And if Bo Levi Mitchell's firing on all cylinders, Herji Mayala, your boy. That's my guy. That is my fantasy guy. He's looking good. Josh Huff's look good. Of course, Eric Rogers, Reggie Bangleton have been good all year. Calgary's offense is rolling. We know their defense is stifling. Big problems for the teams out west and eventually one team out east. Yeah, and Calgary, listen, they could have beaten Montreal two weeks ago, but there was, you know, they, they lost, I think it was four fumbles by receivers. That does not happen um, very often. On the other side, I mean, Saskatchewan still, they can still win the East, or excuse me, they can still win the West. Um, yeah, we'll get more to it because we got to get down. You know, we've been yammering too much. We'll get more why Saskatchewan, there's still a chance they can win, a we- uh, win the West, what that win by Winnipeg over Montreal means. But let's get to it. Let's get to three downs. First down. And first down, that's pretty much what we're talking about. Uh, Matt Dunnigan, Milt Stiegel, Mike Benavides. Did I say his last name right? I think I did. Sounds good. I, I got. I always get nervous. What chances do the Rough Riders have of winning the West? 
Ooh, I like this one because they're going up some quarterbacks that just haven't played a lot and don't have a lot of experience under the belt. So I really like Saskatchewan. I'm going to give them a nine and a half. Nine, wow. As high okay. as you can go because I like the remaining schedule yeah. As, yeah. as they go to BC and at Edmonton and then have Edmonton. I'm, I'm right there with you, Matt. Nine and a half. Almost With Calgary in. right tied with them. You're well, going that Calgary high. has to play Winnipeg twice. I yeah. think they'll twice. run through BC, but they have to play a tough Winnipeg team That's twice. It. I think they'll split and I think Saskatchewan will run the table just because of the quarterbacks like they're going to play against mm-hmm. in BC and Edmonton. Yeah. You know, considering this is my last huddle, I'm just going to go ahead and say you guys are doing a great job. I like what you're talking about. But, you know, I'm thinking I'm going to drop that down to about 80%. I think they got a great opportunity. They really so do. So about 8 but out of 10 you're going. 8 out of okay. 10. Yeah, I'm going right. to go 8 out of 10, okay. and, and that's okay. where I'm going. Is it they're just afraid of Rough Rider fans are going to send them uh, hate mail? Yes, I am uh, obviously a huge fan of the TS or the CFL and TSN panel, but I don't yeah. know what they're talking about. They, their enthusiasm, I mean, I, I guess it's how much of it's pro Saskatchewan and how much of it's anti who's starting a quarterback for the BC Lions um, and then Logan Kilgore for Edmonton twice. I mean, I, that's really sort of what they insinuated, but Saskatchewan, you know, they've got to win all three. And Calgary has to lose, you know, they've got to lose at least one of their games. Yeah, so the Rough Riders have the BC Lions this week, which is a free space in the bingo card. Mike Riley's gone, Danny O'Brien's in, the Riders should roll over the Lions. But the Blue Bombers are in Calgary this weekend. Sorry, the Calgary's hosting the Blue Bombers this weekend, and they're at Winnipeg next weekend. Those are tough games, but Calgary should be pretty decent favorite in both of those games with Chris Strebler, quarterback. Yeah. Hasn't shown much. If you're if you're asking me, I think it's an eighty percent that Calgary wins these games. Certainly the back to back against Winnipeg, and and they have the whole and they and listen, Calgary they get the tiebreaker. You know, they have the, they have the tiebreaker against against uh, Saskatchewan against yeah. Saskatchewan, and Calgary looks really good. So they do. I, I wish I get the reasoning behind it, but the level of enthusiasm uh, confuses and, me. And we're going to get into this later, Matt. I think people are sleeping on the Edmonton Eskimos. They're coming off a bye. They're going to be coming off a bye. They have a bye this week, and mm-hmm. then they're hosting the Riders next week, and I think Trevor Harris will be back for that game, and a healthy arrested Trevor Harris. The, the team has been terrible in the last two months, but a lot of that's been attributed to Harris's injury. Right. I think they're going to come back and be, and be strong in the final couple weeks of the season. And we'll see if we have time to get through the Rod Black. Here's my question about Edmonton. Can they win it with defense and conservative offense? Uh, first in sacks defensively, first in two and outs uh, that they forced, first in yards per play, and net offense. It's great. They, they, you know, The only thing they don't really do is they don't really force a lot of turnovers. But the other side is no team is more about the short pass than Edmonton. Like their average yard, like the depth per pass. I'm going full Derek Taylor here. It's so low. It's not even that it's close to near the bottom. It's way at the bottom. And that's the one thing I wonder about. They put up yards. They put up time of possession. But can they get touchdowns? We'll get more to that. Let's get to second down. Second down. We mentioned about the injury to Mike uh, Riley, the broken wrist. Here's Glenn Suter on it. Well, I think the BC Lions were big-time favorites coming into this game, the way they played of late. Mike Riley finally getting to do what Mike Riley does best because he was getting some protection. This was just an unlucky hit in the second series of the game. Nothing dirty about the hit from Botang and from Santos Knox, but just Riley went down awkwardly. He had his elbow in the turf when he had the pressure of the D lineman on top of him. It broke his wrist. That's it for his season, and he was not available the rest of the game. Daniel Bryan just could not get any traction with the offense for the BC Lions, and that's all Edmonton really needed. They went to work. Greg Ellingson had a big game. 
And you feel bad for the Lions. They'd won four in a row. Now, they'd beaten a lot of bad teams, yeah. Ottawa twice, Toronto, but they beat Montreal. And here's the one thing I'll say. They beat bad teams, but they won by 33 points. They won by 47. You know, they, they won by large margins against some of those bad teams. So uh, even though they're bad teams, they're still impressive wins. Absolutely. I think when you beat any professional football team by three, four touchdowns is impressive. But I think yeah. on a, on a whole, when you look at the, at the Lions season in general, what a colossal disappointment. Yeah. From the early season offensive line woes, they fired their offensive line coach. Things got better after that, but Mike Riley's a guy that many expected to be right there for MOP. He's been basically every healthy season he's had in the CFL, he's been right there. Yeah. And man, what a huge disappointment. You wonder what type of changes will be taking place in BC. Mike Riley's going to be there. I can tell you that for certain. Who else will be there alongside him to be determined? It's, it's, it's all going to be about that offensive line. You know, uh, it's much, you know, if we go to the NFL version when, uh, you know, Deshaun Watson, there's, you know, there's some weeks where you go, he's doing everything he can, but he's getting sacked six, seven times. It's kind of similar with, uh, with Mike Riley. And, and there was so much inexperience on that coaching staff. Yeah. Ron Claybrook's a first time head coach, inexperience on both the offensive side and the de- defensive side of the ball. I think a year under the belt will, will certainly aid BC heading into next season, but a lot of questions to be answered on that in the one the West Coast there. All right, let's move on to third down. Third down. Here's Dwayne Ford talking about the great performance by the Winnipeg Blue Bombers defense in that 34-24 win over Montreal. The Blue Bombers came up with plays on defense today when they needed to. And I will say that their their ability to make plays starts with the, the ability of their front to generate pressure. That takes Vernon Adams out of his comfort zone and forced him to make some mistakes, quite frankly, as he's trying to force some throws, trying to bring his team back in the ballgame. You talk about the interceptions. The big one to me was that when Nick Taylor in the second half returns that for a touchdown and gives his team a little bit of breathing room, ability to relax when maybe things are starting to, to feel a little bit tight after having the comeback against them the last time that they played the Montreal Alouettes. But again, starts with the guys up front, the guys on the back end, able to make plays as a result. They did a terrific job. Marcus Sales had a couple interceptions as well. Yeah, Vernon Adams, bad game for him, four interceptions, and the Stars came out to play. Adam Big Hill led, the, led them in tackles. Um, you know, Willie Jefferson had a sack. Uh, Winston Rose with a nice game. Uh, Ch- uh, Chandler Fenner uh, with a pick. This was Winnipeg's defense. You know, they've always done this. They've, sometimes, some years they give up a bunch of yardage, but they always create lots of big plays. And you look at the last three games for Winnipeg heading into their game against Montreal this past weekend, and that defense was getting torched. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, we saw some big games put on them, including Vernon Adams Jr. in that crazy comeback about three weeks ago. And we saw what Cody Fajardo and the Riders did against the Blue Bombers. And, I mean... I don't really know what to say about the Blue Bombers very inconsistent on the defensive side of the ball, but I think certainly their offense, the running game was probably the biggest notable in that game, right? It, yeah, it was. And the offensive line, you know, they took care of business. And we saw with Montreal, up or down. We saw Calgary uh, last week, where their offensive line was able to push Montreal's uh, front seven, front eight. And same thing here. Andrew Harris, career high, 166 yards. Chris Strevler, 64. And one question, I know we got to go. we got Rod Black coming up next. Can Winnipeg... Can they win in the playoffs if they're down by 7 or 10 points? Can Shrevler in that passing game, can they throw the ball downfield? I would say no. I would say no as well. We'll find out next with Rod Black. That's Aaron Karolnik. I'm Matthew Cause. You are listening to CFL Weekly right here on the TSN Network. And a reminder 
A reminder to everyone out there, one of our favorites is Domino's. And this show is brought to you by Domino's. Grab a delicious four-topping pizza for just $12.99. Check out all the great carryout and delivery deals at dominoes.ca. That's dominoes.ca. Rod Black, next. Hungry? Domino's has you covered. Grab any medium feast pizza for only $10.99 or dive into our delivery and carryout specials at dominoes.ca. Domino's is more than just pizza. Try our delicious side dishes like pasta and chicken wings and don't forget our irresistible marbled cookie brownie for dessert. Perfect food for the big game if you're in a hurry or just because. Check out all the great deals at dominoes.ca. That's dominoes.ca. CFL Weekly. I am Matthew Cause. You can read my work at CFL.ca. And the man to my right is the guy who will be producing the national broadcast for all radio for the Grey Cup. All Grey Cup action you will hear because of this man right here, Aaron Corona. How are you doing, AK? I'm doing great, Matt. And speaking of your work on CFL.ca, I need yeah. to commend you. Your column on kind of giving thanks about the CFL, I thought was terrific. Oh, Great work, sir. Thank you very much. And I don't compliment you often, you really, so take that. You really don't. And run with it. Bro. Yeah, yeah, you know, you, you, it's, it's meager amounts of compliments. That's fantastic. <laughs> Thank you. You know what I'm also thankful for? I'm thankful for our next guest. He is fantastic. CFL on TSN play-by-play. It is Rod Black. Rod, thanks so much for doing the show. Anytime with you two boys, two of my favorite guys, oh, as my man Sam Mitchell would say. But hey, yeah, hey, there are lots of reasons to be thankful after, uh, I guess, 18 crazy weeks in the Canadian Football League. Oh, absolutely. And also, I'm going to be going to my first Grey Cup this year. AK is setting up all the parties, so I'm hoping that whoa, whoa, I can whoa, join whoa, in whoa, with whoa, you whoa, guys whoa, a little bit. Whoa, 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 whoa. Yeah. You're going to your first Grey Cup? Well, I'm going to my first one outside of Toronto. I've been to a bunch oh, in I- Toronto. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Really? Yeah. So, I am shocked. I know. You are Captain CFL. Yeah, I know. I, I'm going on the road. I'm excited. AK's got my itinerary. Should <laughs> we warn authorities? I've, uh, I'll just say this. I packed a lot of Advil. Um, <laughs> you did the Winnipeg game. Impressive win, 35-24 over Montreal. But here's my question. The running game looked great. Um, Winnipeg has shown in the past they can create turnovers on defense. But I don't know if Winnipeg can win in the playoffs with Chris Strevler, who is tough, who is brave, who runs the ball very well. But that passing game, they just can't push the ball downfield. And I feel that at some point in the playoffs, you're going to have to complete a bunch of second and longs. And that's why I just don't have a lot of faith in the Bombers' offense. Yeah, they better find a way to, to, to pass the ball. I mean, one thing in the CFL we've learned, uh, I guess, in the history of the game, guys, is that you know you, you need a good... You need a good arsenal. You need to throw the football. You need to catch the football, quite obviously. And they've got some good receivers there. I mean, there's no doubt. But, you know, you look at the stats. You run down all the numbers and all the categories. And, you know, rushing numbers are great. Second down conversion's good. They're decent in the red zone. But it's that passing number. They're dead last. And you look at some, you know, by the way, there have been a couple of, well, I'd say three really bad teams in the Canadian Football League this year, record-wise. And when you're dead last and you're still contending for first place in the West, it's probably something that has to be corrected and, and rectified. Now, keep in mind, you know, they're going to be playing cold football, you know, uh, in the fall, wherever they play, um, and including the Grey Cup. I would imagine, you know, pack your woolies, Maddie, because it's, it's going to be cold in Calgary. And, and running so no linen. Help. So all my, I should put all my <laughs> linen away is what you're saying. 
Yeah, and the spandex would work good too. I've seen that. <laughs> uh, but yeah, yeah, you got to throw the ball, and you know, I really like Chris Drebler. I mean, I like him, his, his upside, his potential. Is it his time right now? I'm still finding each week that teams are getting intel on him a little bit, and and they're forcing him. I, I thought he looked much more calm and composed last week um, against Montreal. I, I thought that you know he. He didn't look as frantic as he had in, in weeks past. And I think the game is starting to slow down. But keep in mind how he's come into the game. I mean, it, it, even though last year, his first start right out of college, and, you know, he's looked like he's going to be a star in this league. And the stars kind of faded the last few weeks. Uh, but having said that, I mean, unless Zach Kolaris is, is coming off the sideline and Winnipeg's going to insert him, which I guess is not out of the question, uh, it is Strebler's show. That would be quite... The Wouldn't outcome, if Zach Caleros, oh my God. quarterback, the Bombers, yeah. let's say in Saskatchewan in the West yeah. Semi, I don't see it happening. But when Winnipeg no. takes on Hamilton in the Great Cup, it's Caleros. <laughs> yeah. It's the Caleros right, You know, though, guys, you know yeah. what is crazy is that I, I, I'm i sure you're the same way. I, I find there's a, a great air of mystery around Zach. You know, the, you don't really get a lot of information on it. They're, they're, they're keeping him away from the media. I mean, even in Toronto, I mean, he was, you know, standing on the sideline basically, you know, just mentoring McLeod Bethel Thompson and James Franklin. And now he's in Winnipeg mentoring the same. So he's got this big contract and, and he's hardly played. And it's an unfortunate hit early in the season, but uh, you, you'd have to think there's a lot of rust uh, on Zach Kolaris, but is, is a guy who's got a lot of rust in, on him still better than, than what they've got. So I'm, I'm sure that's probably in the back of their minds as well. Rod, um, Winnipeg in the midst of a dogfight in the top of the West uh, conference. You're talking about the Calgary Stampeders, the, the Riders, and the Bombers, all with 20 points. Uh, Calgary and Saskatchewan a game in hand on the on the Bombers. How do you see the West shaking out as far as who will win it, who will host the West yeah. Semi, and who will be on the road in the West Semi? Yeah, AK. You know, uh, I'm just looking at the, the, the permutations over the last couple of days, and actually the last few weeks. And you have to think, just based on strength of schedule and and the stuff that's that's fallen out the last little while that Saskatchewan has a very good chance to win the West. I mean, take a look at who they play there. I think they have BC twice and Edmonton. And Winnipeg and Calgary have to, you know, bang against each other uh, a couple of times. Uh, You know, you'd have to think one of those two teams has to sweep if they want West. Uh, Winnipeg only has two games. Uh, Calgary has a, 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 I think they finished the season against BC. So, if Calgary can sweep Winnipeg and they've got BC, and, and this is nothing against Lions fans, but you know, keep in mind Mike Riley's out out now. Um, you know, you, and, and BC really only is playing for pride. You've got to kind of go by that strength of schedule. You look, you look at at Winnipeg back to back with Calgary. They've let a couple of slip away. I mean, that was a key win. If Winnipeg can sweep Calgary, puts a lot of pressure on Saskatchewan and the rest. But I, for some reason, I just kind of still see Saskatchewan. You know, a sweep is not entirely out of the realm of possibility, uh, especially with two against BC and one against Edmonton. And Edmonton probably playing for the crossover, right? So I would think that that's kind of the way it plays out. But guess what? Predictions this year in the Canadian Football League, forget about it. What I love is the fact that we've got three teams with 10 wins apiece atop the West 
with you know three weeks to go, I think that's phenomenal. It absolutely is. It's not like in years past where Calgary would run away with the division yeah. in the by that by Labor Day. We're joined by Rod Black here on CFO Weekly on the TSN Network. That's Eric Kronick. I'm Matthew Cause. All right, MOP discussion. For me, it comes oh, I down, knew you were going to go there. It comes, it comes down to two names, and I only have two. I have Andrew Harris, and I have Brandon Banks. Um, I don't know if you can make the case for someone else, and right now it's between those two guys, and I, I, I can make a case for both, but I think I might go to Brandon Banks. Yeah, I, you know, I think, unfortunately, there, there seems to be a stigma right now surrounding Andrew Harris, and, of course, that suspension, the PED suspension. And, and I can understand why, why some voters may not be inclined to check their box for Andrew Harris. Uh, keep in mind that Brandon Banks also had a, a suspension uh, a couple of years ago as well. I mean, I mean, if you're going to go by all the stuff off the field, I understand. But I think you kind of got to go by performance on the field. And I think Andrew Harris has had one of those outstanding seasons again. Now, having said that, this might be a year, guys, that, you know, it could be a defensive player. This kind of, this, this year reminds me of when Sully Alamimian won. Remember, he was the yep. outstanding defensive player and the MOP. And, you know, it's hard not to overlook someone like, you know, Charleston Hughes or, or Willie Jefferson, uh, especially Willie Jefferson, what he's done in Winnipeg. I think if voters, it, it's going to be interesting to see what happens in Winnipeg, per se. You know, you got to come out of your, you got to come out of your chapter first, if it will. Um, and, but I, you'd be, I think you'd be foolish not to, to vote for Harris. And, and I agree with you on, on Brandon Banks. The only other player that I see who's had a year like Brandon Banks, and, and the, oh, by the way, the only reason Brandon Banks' season isn't like a, a slam dunk that he'd win MOP is because Braylon Addison's on the field with him. Those guys have kind of split things, and they, they might split votes there too. But Brandon Banks has had a crazy year, and so too Brian Burnham in B.C. But, you know, again, are you're less inclined to vote for a team that doesn't make the playoffs, but Brian Burnham's numbers are extraordinary, crazy catches too, but it's hard. You know, I, I would agree with that. I think Brandon Banks, Andrew Harris, but again, I think it's going to, there's going to be some conversation about that suspension and, and whether brand whether Andrew Harris will get those votes from those voters who, who sometimes are, you know, get on their soapbox and, 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 and I know Andrew still is, is, you know, saying all the things that he believes, uh, to be true regarding contamination and the possibility that that you know that was um, he had nothing to do with that that he that he didn't know what he was taking. I, I I say a football player should know what they're taking. They should they absolutely should know, especially if you are tested a lot and even if you take something by accident. Guess what? It's zero tolerance. So it's too bad we're having kind of that conversation. But um, it has been kind of the year of the receiver. It's been the year of defense. And it's been the year of the return. And unfortunately, so many banged up quarterbacks. This is the first year in a long time, guys. That we're not talking about a quarterback as an MLP. It's a very good point. Very good point. And a team that may be in need of a quarterback, Rod Black of CFL on TSN, is the Toronto Argonauts. Mm. A lot of debate around McLeod Bethel Thompson, his status heading into next season. But I want to ask you about a report from our colleague Dave Naylor, who said that Pinball Clements, who was just hired as the general manager of the Toronto Argonauts, Has could be... Damon Allen. Yeah, Damon's back! <laughs> well, I actually, so I was there, I was at the game, I know you were there too, Rod, you were calling the game, I saw Damon Allen yeah. on the sidelines. He looks like he's ready to play, by the way. He, he looks like he wants to play, I'm not so sure he, so, Damon can play. Now. I guess my question for you is, do you think Pinball Clemens as, ends up as the head coach of the Toronto Argonauts, and is, will Damon Allen be involved on the coaching staff in some capacity? Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're asking all the tough ones today. Uh, I, I'm actually a little surprised that, you know, pinball's done it all. Uh, pinball has been the president. Pinball has, 
been a head coach. Pinball's been a great player. He's been the ambassador. He's practically should have been mayor of the city. Pinball's never been a general manager. And so this is really unique territory for him. Do I think Pinball wanted this job or coveted this job? Not in a million years. I don't think he did. I think, you know, his passion and his kind of, we need help here. And he's willing to throw a lifeline to this team and and help out. But I think Pinball's also one of those guys who really wants to get involved. Um, Could I see him as a head coach? For sure. I guess that's a possibility. Um, could I see him as a president of the team down the road? Sure, I could see that as a possibility as well. And, and you know, there's some arguments that, you know, p- perhaps this team, you know, needed somebody at the helm uh, to get more people in the seats, to do all of these other things. I mean, there's a lot of more issues in Toronto, re- even around quarterback. But, you know, something about McLeod Bethel-Thompson, there is some real upside to him. But having said that, you, how many games have we watched and so many interceptions and so many picks from all of the quarterbacks? I can tell you one thing I'm pretty sure on is that James Franklin probably won't be, you know, the starting quarterback of this team down the road unless he, you know, finds a way to resurrect his career at this point. But you need that quarterback. You need, and, and you know how free agency works and there's players out there. Uh, did, it, did it saddle Toronto at the beginning of the year? Absolutely. Um, did, did they think James Franklin was going to be a star in this league? Absolutely. Uh, is he a star? Nope. And, so now you you got a lot of decisions to make. But here's the good thing for the Argos, you guys. Is, you know, it's famous fleeting in the Canadian Football League. Is, you know, success is and so is failure. And you can you can rise up from, you know, you know a bad situation to winning a great cup the next year. And I'm not saying Montreal is going to do that this year, but take a look at what's gone in Montreal the last few years. You cannot rotate quarterbacks like Toronto has done this year and be successful. And that's what Montreal has done over the last, what, you know, decades since, since Anthony Calvillo retired, you have to have someone who's there all the time, and 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 it has to be, it has to be someone that you can trust. And so the quarterback is probably number one priority in terms of a general manager. Uh, I, I guess I'm rambling because I, I'm still kind of I still kind of think I'm, I'm rambling. I'm right, right now. I'm rambling here like uh, Chris Strebler in the pocket. Uh, but but at the same time, I do think that's that, that absolutely is a big priority. Uh, Will McLeod Bethel-Thompson be the starting quarterback next year? I, you never know. I tell you one thing. One, one guy who loves McLeod Bethel-Thompson is S.J. Green. Will S.J. Green be here next year? That, that, that's another question, too. And those are questions, unfortunately, have to be answered another time. We're out of time. Rod Black from CFL on TSN. Obviously, if you're listening to the show, you know who he is. You know the voice. Rod, thanks so much for joining us. Hey, boys. I can't wait to see you guys at the Grey Cup, AK and Maddie. Now that this is your first, we'll have to have yeah. a special bottle of wine. <laughs> oh, I'm already pa- for you. How I, much wine no. can you bring on a flight to Calgary, Matt? <laughs> two bottles. Two bottles? Okay. Yeah, that'll be cool. I'll take two for you as well. So yeah, done. You, you got to check them in, and you have to pack them in properly. I just, you know what? It, it's We're close to the Okanagan there. We can get some. Ooh, that's right. Oh, we're going to go hardcore Bordeaux blends in <laughs> oh, Okanagan. Boy. All right, we got to go. Thanks so much, Rod. <laughs> Coming up on the other side, from uh, uh, fantasy expert, CFL writer Ben Kramer is going to join us. I'm going to throw out this question. McLeod Bethel-Thompson Is he a better fantasy quarterback than he is a real quarterback? Find out the answer next, right here on TSN Radio, on the TSN Radio Network. Hey, everyone. Welcome back. This is CFL Weekly right here on the TSN Radio Network. I'm Matthew Cuz. That is Aaron Karolnik. This show brought to you by Domino's. Grab a delicious four-topping pizza for just 
$12.99 tonight. Check out all the great carryout and delivery deals at dominoes.ca. That's dominoes.ca. Joining us now, it is Ben Kramer, a regular contributor for CFL Weekly on TSN Radio, fantasy analyst for at Daily Roto and C- at CFL as well. Ben, thanks so much for joining the show. Yeah, great talking to you guys. So, Ben, I teased it up, and I wanted to get your thoughts. Uh, McLeod Bethel-Thompson, is he a better fantasy quarterback than he is a real quarterback? I think that if Toronto had an even mediocre defense, this would be a playoff team. Love it. Yeah, I think McLeod Bethel-Thompson is a perfectly serviceable quarterback at least, and if not kind of a top half of the league quarterback at best. So for fantasy purposes, he's a really consistent passer seven times this season. He's had over 300 yards and multiple touchdown passes. There's no other passer in the league who's come close to that. In fact, Bo Levi Mitchell hasn't done that in over a calendar year. So there's something to be said for McLeod Bethel Thompson as a fantasy player and as a real-life quarterback. Yeah, and if you're talking fantasy versus real-life, Ben, certainly I think you have to acknowledge that Bethel Thompson's played a lot from behind, when the Argos are trailing, obviously you need to throw. And, garbage yards. And the baby, way the Argos yard. offense is structured, and I'm sure you'd agree, is that they don't run the ball nearly as much as any CFL team. I think Toronto and Calgary have the fewest rush attempts for the season. So that will certainly aid your fantasy numbers and make your statistics look better than they are. But I'm totally with you on Bethel Thompson. And I don't know what you think about him as a fantasy option this week at Montreal, but I'm all over Vernon Adams Jr. against the Toronto Argonauts secondary, which has been shredded time and time again. And I'm trying to decide between Dane Evans, who plays against the Ottawa Red Blacks, mm. and Vernon Adams Jr. plays against the Toronto Argonauts. Which way do you have me leaning, Ben? Yeah, I think this week it's going to be a tale of three teams for pretty much each position. You either want Alouettes, Tiger Cats, or Argos, because those three defenses they're facing are easily the three most porous in the league as far as yards per attempt goes. So Vernon Adams blows away the projections by quite a ways. Even a near $11,000 price tag, he protects just about 30 points this week, and second place is Dane Evans, just over 23. So I'd say, yeah, you probably want to go Adams if you can fit that salary. If not, Dane Evans is a pretty nice second place, especially if he could put together two halves of football in a game as opposed to just the first half like he has most of the last month or so. Ben Kramer of CFL.ca of Daily Roto on the line with us. This is CFL Weekly. And I'm looking at the running back position, Ben. Andrew Harris, a tough matchup against the Stamps. John White, a tough matchup against the Riders. Is it crazy to say that Tyrell Sutton might be the number one running back on the board this week at just over 6000 in CFL Fantasy? I think if you're looking at it in points per dollar, then yeah, he's probably close to the top of the list. I think if you're looking for raw production, it's going to be probably that Montreal running back, whoever it happens to be. Toronto's given up the most yards per attempt and touchdowns per attempt on the ground. So if William Standback is back in the fold this week, just over 7,300, he's our top projected back. And even if it drops down to Jeremiah Johnson, he'd still be in the top two for projection. And the lower salary that he runs with would make him the top value of points per dollar. I think that Sutton is probably a a solid play, but the reality is kind of the clown car that Hamilton has run out of their backfield for the whole season. You're never sure who's going to be coming out, and you're never sure who's going to lead the team and carries on a given week. Sutton has certainly been better the last couple of weeks since he got the starting job, but we really don't know with a lot of certainty on a weekly basis what they're going to do out of there. 
Yeah, you're right. The uh, Hamilton Ticats, it's, you know, like in the NFL, you know, the Patriots, where you never knew who the running back was going to be. Um, I'm going to do an old-timey uh, reference here that Aaron Karolnik probably won't get. Uh, but in Monty Python and the Holy Grail, they all see a rabbit. They all attack the rabbit. Like, what are they worried about? And <laughs> run, they're like, away! run away! Run away! Is, is that how I should feel about every skill position player on the BC Lions now that Mike Riley is gonzo? I think we saw exactly what that offense is going to look like when we saw them versus Edmonton. Now, Edmonton may well be the best defense in the league in terms of yardage allowed, in terms of time of possession, in terms of pressure they can put on a quarterback. So it was kind of a worst-case scenario for Danny O'Brien to have to step into. But the reality is the Riders are not going to be much of an easier situation for him to face, even if it is a home game this time around. So, yeah, I think that you probably want to run away from those Lions as much as you can, especially because their salaries are still going to be elevated from what they did versus Ottawa, Toronto, and Montreal over the past month, and they're certainly not going to have a chance of getting to those kind of levels with O'Brien under center. Ben, it's not often we talk about defenses in fantasy, but there's two defenses I'm looking at this week that I believe have the potential to put up huge totals. Number one, Saskatchewan against Danny O'Brien in BC. And number two, I'm looking at, um, hold on, where am I looking here? Uh, Oh, sorry, the Hamilton Tiger Cats against Will Arndt. I was there on Friday night, certainly not impressed with what he presented, even though he put up 21 against the Argos, against that Hamilton defense. I think you'd be looking at 20-plus points for both the Riders and the Ticats this week. Yeah, it's certainly a possibility. Arndt is averaging over two interceptions per 30 pass attempts, which in the CFL is going to get you benched if it wasn't the Ottawa Bud Blacks and not having any other options to go to. So if he's turning the ball over with that consistent level and Hamilton's able to create the kind of pressure that they have on a regular basis, you could easily see a pick six or two going the other direction. Uh, yeah, it's one that you would certainly want to pick on. And, yeah, if you're not going to go with the Hamilton option that's the cheaper of the two, Saskatchewan is certainly a good one, but it's significantly higher in the salary range, so you have to figure out what you can fit in. Most people kind of balk when they see a defense priced over 5000 on the CFL.ca contest, but I think this week it's certainly worth paying for. Ben, my colleague Matthew here, a huge fan of Herji Mayala. Oh, yeah. Two touchdowns for the Stamps last week. Should he be in your fantasy lineup this yeah. week? Yeah. I don't believe in field wide receivers. Get out of here. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't. I think they're flash in the pan generally. They may well be a good, talented player, but you're rarely going to get the kind of targets that he's been getting the last couple of weeks on a consistent basis. And it's just a very volatile position for fantasy purposes. So he's cheap enough that you're really not costing yourself a whole lot if you're paying down that low. But I don't think that kind of consistent production continues on a week-in, week-out basis throughout the rest of the season. You're probably going to see it drop down sooner than it's going to be able to stay consistent. Ben, this had been a fantastic interview, but then you just the end, the uh, you did not nail the landing as a huge <laughs> Mayala fan. He has a, paying me to be nice. He has the Herji Mayala jersey. It's in his, a game one. Jersey, I'm wearing it right now. Uh, ben, really appreciate it. you can follow him on Twitter at Ben Y A M E N. I wanted to spell it out because if I pronounced it, I think it would have been like Ben Yemen, and who knows, probably would get that wrong. Ben, really appreciate reading your work at CFL.ca, and always a pleasure when you get to join the show. Yeah, great chatting with you guys. Take Thanks, care. Man. That is Ben Kramer. I'd come up on the side. Aaron Corolna gives you the gambling knowledge you need to win in the upcoming week here on the CFL. You are listening to CFL Weekly. That's Aaron Karolnik. I'm Matthew Cause right here on the TSN Radio Network.
Hungry? Domino's has you covered. Grab any medium feast pizza for only $10.99 or dive into our delivery and carryout specials at dominoes.ca. Domino's is more than just pizza. Try our delicious side dishes like pasta and chicken wings and don't forget our irresistible marbled cookie brownie for dessert. Perfect food for the big game if you're in a hurry or just because. Check out all the great deals at dominoes.ca. That's dominoes.ca. Welcome back, everybody. This is the final segment of CFL Weekly right here on the TSN Radio Network. I'm Matthew Cos. That's Eric Koronik. Thanks again for Ben Kramer for joining the show. Matt Cos here. I write for CFL.ca. My man AK over there will be producing the Great Cup broadcast for the TSN Radio Network. But tell everyone else uh, just uh, a little bit about yourself. Yeah, so Matthew, I've been to a number of great cups, big-time CFL fan. But first and foremost, I love gambling on the Canadian Football League. Certainly, I would call it a niche market. Not many people into gambling on the CFL, but I've become... You and Derek pretty Taylor. accomplished, pretty pretty accomplished, pretty successful in that respect. Yeah. And certainly, when you have money riding on games, your interest it goes up a little bit. It goes up a little bit, and I think there's certainly value when gambling on the CFL. Certain information is available on the Canadian Football League that's not available in other larger sports where more money is thrown down. So. Love the CFL, and it's an honor to be here with you, my man. It's been this has been a fun show to do. Um, I want to get some of your take on this, on some of the picks for this week. Who you like? I think you're really big on. I think it's Saskatchewan. I that, love Saskatchewan All right. this week. We'll, we'll get there in a second, but there's I, I haven't heard this sound yet. Um, but uh, AJ uh, Jackiebeck. Yes, can I set this up? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So set AJ Jackiebeck is the play-by-play voice of the Ottawa Red Blacks. Of course, the Red Blacks were in Toronto. Tough year over the fa- over the weekend. And they lost. Will Arndt was their quarterback. And not surprising that Ottawa was to lose this game in Toronto. But there was a questionable hit, a hit to the head, that uh, AJ had some issues with the fans and their reaction to it. And here's how it sounded. Quit booing! These fans need to quit booing. That was a crap play, and you guys know it. I know there's about 300 of you here. Quit booing! (laughs) Here's a pick. My favorite immediately after he's screaming at the fans, Will Arndt just throws a pick right into Toby Antigua's hands. <laughs> that is... AJ was not... AJ sounded like the play-by-play voice of a 3-11 football yeah, team. Yeah, and what was uh, what was the uh, the specific hit that he was upset about? Um, if you remember on the punt where there was like an unnecessary roughness hit to okay. the head penalty that they just took... I think it was Chris Rainey who just took an Ottawa player's head off. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, that was the uh, issue that AJ had there. Okay, but Chris Rainey still, I think, uh, still leads the entire league in total yards uh, and total yards from scrimmage. But uh, again, I, I for me, my uh, my MOP. But uh, we talked about it before. <laughs> I'm still uh, I'm still giving it to Chris Rainey. All right, let's let's uh, let's go around a little bit. Let's do a little bit of a uh, little bit of you the mean gambling. Brandon, Bra- Brandon Banks, you mean Brandon MOP, Banks? Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. Chris sorry. Rainey does not lead the league in yards from scrimmage. I think he does. does he? I think because oh, it was all, ret- all of his yeah, it's all yeah. it's all returns. It's all returns. But I mean, for me, my MOP still right now is you, uh, is uh, Brandon you. Banks. It takes a uh, takes a village to raise a quarterback, and for Dane Evans, he's getting a lot of help from a lot of different people. Um, but uh, explain to people. People like is it is this Saskatchewan BC Lions line? 
Have you? Is this the most excited you've been since when uh, Bodog would do prop bets on Johnny Manziel, like <laughs> touchdown passes and yardage? You're like, everyone, bet the under heart. So I've been talking to a number of people around the CFL about this game, Saskatchewan at BC this weekend. Saskatchewan has everything to play for. BC has nothing to play for. They were just eliminated from the playoffs. Mike Riley done for the season with a broken wrist. And now Danny O'Brien mm-hmm. will quarterback this oh. team. He did not look good in his maiden voyage against the Eskimos last week. And probably an underreported story is Aaron Grimes, their best defensive player, arguably, done for the year with a torn ACL. So you're talking about a Riders team that is clearly superior to BC in all aspects, has destroyed them twice this year already. Now BC is playing without their best player on the offensive side of the ball and their best player on the defensive side of the ball, and they're only giving up three and a half points. That's the thing is, when something looks that good, you have to yeah. wonder why does it look this good? Like, why is it? Why sh- shouldn't that be far higher? Yes, it should be. I think it's just a very, very poor line, mm-hmm. and I think Saskatchewan rolls by multiple touchdowns this weekend. Um, Cody Fajardo, two games against the BC Lions, uh, decent. You know, uh, three touchdowns, two picks in the two games, but not a lot of yardage. You know, the, the usual completion percentage, but every quarterback now completes uh, 70% of his passes. Uh, I mean, I think the state of the, the injuries at the quarterback position, Fajardo, I believe, is still third in passing yards behind only Riley and Trevor Harris, yeah. which speaks to as much about the injuries. And listen, Fajardo has had great moments. That's, I mean, I guess without Aaron Grimes, that's going to certainly help him, but he, he didn't look great against Calgary. Nope, that's for sure. There's no doubt about that, but... Cody has been very consistent this year. I don't, think you can, I don't think you can understate his value on the ground. He has double-digit rushing touchdowns, has been able to amass a significant amount of yardage. In fact, he leads the Saskatchewan Rough Riders in rushing yards, and they have a stud back in William Powell behind him. So yeah. Cody Vajardo is a very consistent player. He doesn't make a lot of mistakes. And I think when you look at both sides of the ball, there's a large disparity between the Riders and and the BC Lions. And I don't think you can understate how important this game is for Saskatchewan. Yeah. Like you're looking at Calgary, who's playing Winnipeg. A very tough matchup. A must win for both teams if either have any hope to win the West. And the same goes for Saskatchewan. And they're playing a team with nothing to play for. Yeah, you're you're right. And just there's, you know, like I just see Charlton Hughes just going nuts. Uh, like the BC Lions. I know they've gone a bit better, but the BC Lions offensive line has been horrible. Now you don't exactly have a guy with the same pocket presence as Mike Riley. Uh, Charlton Hughes is going to lead the league in sacks. He's like 35 years old. It's ridiculous. Um, speaking of the Lions, stick here for a quick second. Brandon Bridge has, uh, has, signed, um, has signed with the BC Lions, and he was the guy uh, a couple years ago that we all thought this was, the, this was the fella who could finally become the Canadian quarterback to not only consistently start, but to win games. And it looked like it in 17, then a regression last year, and now I think this is his third team this season. Uh, you know, at the very least, he's got some good targets to throw to. Yeah, I don't see him playing this year. I think they're probably going to have Danny O'Brien. He's been the backup all year behind Riley. But, I mean, obviously I'm a supporter of Canadian quarterbacks. I think Michael O'Connor on the Toronto Argonauts will get a look before the end of the season. But I don't see Brandon Bridge as a legitimate quarterback option for any team in the CFL. I think he's had his look. Uh, we saw it in a playoff game for the Riders last year. It was not good. No, I know. And yeah. it's a shame because it would be awesome. I don't know if it would be league-altering if there was a superstar Canadian oh, quarterback. Do you think it would be? I think it would be the single biggest thing to boost the game 
um, you're to more of the casual sports fan. Because if you have a Canadian at the glamour position and the team is winning and he's a big part of it, well, we've never seen we, we yeah. haven't seen that it's like in, Julio Caravada. Yeah, and you, you got to go even further back than that. We're talking like Russ Jackson. Russ Jackson We're talking yeah. Russ Jackson, which was in the, the late '60s, early mostly in the '60s. You know. Sports fans, we're always interested in something new. And news organizations are always interested in that new cool story. And I was thinking about this, uh, and I know it's, it's not the best comparison, but when Bianca Andreescu, you know, won the U.S. Open, all of Canada got behind it. The Canadian numbers that were watching her that never watched tennis before. Now you have a Canadian star in the Canadian Football League. I think it would be a huge boost, and that would be a far bigger superstar than anything Johnny Manziel could have done, and just because of nationalism. No, I, I concur, and I think one problem that's inherent with, with this whole situation is that the CFL is going to two quarterbacks next year as opposed to three, so that will limit the number of Canadian quarterbacks that a team could hold. For instance, the aforementioned O'Connor has been on the Argos for most of the year as their number three or the practice squad quarterback. So more quarterbacks being developed... A homegrown guys, I think, is ultimately quality for the league. But we know Commissioner Ambrosi has a global idea for the CFL going forward. Whether or not that's a central focus for the league seems unlikely. Um, when I don't know if you've got all the lines in front of you. Um, Winnipeg, Calgary, give me the stamps. I don't even know what the line the stamps is. Stamps are seven point favorites hosting Winnipeg. Okay, so not not seven and a half, just no, seven. Just okay, seven. so seven. Um, I I. I take Calgary there just because I wonder Winnipeg's rush offense, if it doesn't get started early. Like Winnipeg, if they got a bit of a lead, they can beat anyone. Yeah. But if they're down, that's my issue. I think I take Calgary. Well, Calgary leads the CFL in yards per carry allowed, so that does not bode well for the Bombers. And the last three games before Andrew Harris was able to rack up 160-plus in, in their last outing, he was not good mm-hmm. with Chris Trevor and – you could attribute that to the lack of dual threat from Strevler. A lot of people are concerned about his running, not so concerned about his ability to pass. So I think that was more of a blip in the radar for Andrew Harris and his huge game last week. I don't expect a repeat performance against the Stamps. Before we go, do you get a little bit nervous? Because you've got Toronto, Montreal, Ottawa, Hamilton. You've got two teams. Uh, four teams, nothing to play for. You know, Toronto and Ottawa are out. Hamilton's first. Montreal is going to be second. Um, I think Vernon Adams. It's important for him to get his to get his uh, confidence back in production. But as a, as a gambler, are you nervous about this? Yeah. Stance? Well, I wouldn't be nervous about Hamilton, Ottawa. Hamilton's coming off a of bye, and they're playing against a quarterback, as I mentioned before earlier in the program, Will Arndt. Yeah. And three years ago, he was playing in the semi-pro Alberta Football League, and I think Hamilton's defense will be equipped to handle that. However, Montreal is a 10.5-point favorite hosting the Argos. I would be a little bit concerned laying that number yeah. simply because of the ability that the Argos' offense has shown under McLeod Bethel-Thompson throughout the season. And Montreal's offense has struggled in recent weeks. A matchup against the Argos certainly can cure that very quickly. I, that screams back to our cover. Hey, AK, this, is, uh, this has been a lot of fun today. Thank, uh, you know, this has been a, a blast. I can't wait to do this next week. An absolute blast. And thank you to producer Aradas Vandi. A terrific job nice as job, well. buddy. As always. That's Aaron Korolnik. I'm Matthew Cause. Thank you so much, everybody. You've been listening to CFL Weekly right here on the TSN Radio Network.